Welcome back to Ravens Recap, everybody. And guess what we have? Peter's back on the show. I am back. It is good to be back. Although, as I was telling the guys before we started recording, it's, you know, it's a kind of back like uh, like Joe Flacco was back in uh, week one of 2017, where, you know, you're present, but, you know, still suffering from the previous injuries. So, if there's a couple bad takes or I make a couple brain farts, forgive me. I'm still not sleeping through the night with this uh, this great kid, but, you know, two weeks, there's still... They still need to wake up a lot during the middle of the night. Well, we're certainly glad to have you back. It's uh, going to be fun to have the gang back together, so to speak. And we're here to talk about the 53-man roster that was announced about 39 minutes ago. So we heard throughout the day the tricklings of reports of people being cut. And now we have the final list. And I'm not terribly surprised by the outcome. This is the first year that we do not have any undrafted free agents making the 53-man roster, so it breaks our 16-year streak. But besides that, it, it seems kind of predictable. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, most of the names on here, I think at around like 1 o'clock, I, I went and just wrote down my 53-man roster prediction, and I was only off by a few names. Yeah, I got to be honest. I mean, from the limited news out of camp, I mean, I know we heard a lot of the drafted rookies were doing really well in camp, but really haven't had the opportunity to really hear about some of these undrafted guys. And so, you know, usually every camp we we hear about one or two players that are, you know, like, you know, the news people are like, oh yeah, they're going to make the team. They're going to make the team. And and I got to be honest, at least from my perspective, I, I didn't really hear that this year. So um, I guess I'm not so surprised in, in that perspective. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I obviously been keeping tabs on the Ravens, but not as, as close as I would usually at this time over the past couple of weeks. So uh, coming into this episode, I was trying to brush up to see, you know, are there any standout camp bodies that I'm not familiar with? And I really wasn't finding any looking through the roster. I was really uncreative with how I put it together. And my only incorrect guess was uh, I had Jaleel Scott making it in over Chris Moore. Other than that, it's uh, straight chalk. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I missed two people. I tried to get creative and say we were going to keep Huntley over McSorley. And uh, I also said that we would cut Chris Board in exchange for keeping Eli Wolf. But the Ravens did what Corresponding Kfish suspected, and they only kept two tight ends. And uh, therefore, we don't have that. The only person that I heard as an undrafted free agent that might have been able to stick around was uh, Nigel Warrior. And uh, not an original take here, but it seems like a lot of people are thinking this is the year that the Ravens might feel okay letting these guys slide and maybe pick them up on the practice squad afterwards just because there's no film on them other than the film that existed that didn't get them drafted. Yeah, that's definitely a great point from like a you know, team building like strategy perspective here is that you know there could be a bunch of these guys who, you know, like you said, there's no film on them, so... There's really nothing for the rest of the league to be able to pick them up or, or take them or anything. But basically, the only thing they have is just that, like, oh, yeah, you're from the Ravens? Well, they have some undrafted guys over there. Yeah, I'm sure the Jets will take one. <laughs> Speaking of the Jets, did you hear uh, uh, Lamar Jackson was uh, was released? Oh, yeah, I did hear that. Cornerback <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Okay, I got I, for a second there, I thought you meant that Joe Flacco got cut from the Jets and you were mixing up the two quarterback names but no I, I see what you're saying there. <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> Shockingly, Flacco did make the Jets roster. I'm uh, that one surprised me because the guy isn't even cleared to play for a few weeks, and the Jets need all the active quarterback help they can get. But hey, I guess I guess congrats to Joe for still sticking around in the league with his his uh, body hardly still in condition for NFL games. Yeah, I think he'll be uh, put on the IR tomorrow. Um, the new rule because of COVID for this year is that they only have to be on it for three weeks. So they'll be able to make a decision then. And I would suspect that the Ravens are going to put a couple players on IR come tomorrow and then pick up some players again. But you have to make the roster first in order to be designated that way. Otherwise, you'd be out for the year. That makes sense. Yeah, one of the... Uh... One of the discrepancies I had, I actually had the Ravens only bringing on uh, eight offensive linemen, and I had Powers being cut. But that's a good point. I originally, yeah, uh, originally put on there that Skura could be a candidate for the pup. But yeah, I got I guess with the IR rules this year, it really, I don't even think the pup would really matter because you could put them on IR and you would get them back within three weeks instead of six or, you know, six to nine weeks, however you know long it could take for that to happen. I guess the other thing to note as well is that. You know, Powers at least is one guy who does have a little bit of film, and so there is a little bit of a risk to have him go clear through waivers because people do have film on him. But otherwise, yeah, you know, I was a little surprised initially when the Ravens kept nine uh, O-linemen, but knowing the IR rules, like you just mentioned that, like, I guess now it's uh, not so much of a surprise. Yeah, I I think Powers deserves another look for the Ravens too, though. I would think if they were going to cut one of the linemen, it would have been Makari, but yeah, like you said, luckily the IR rules for this year is going to allow them to to keep all those guys, which I think is good because you know you're seeing potential with a lot of these guys. But aside from Bozeman, who pulled himself away from the pack last year, there's still not enough data to know which of these guys is is definitely going to be the better pro than the other at this point. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Tyre Phillips is having a good camp. And people were pretty impressed with him. Definitely felt he was safe, you know, and also third round draft capital. That's hard to pass up. I didn't think McCary would get cut just because he was such a solid performer at the end of the season for us. And I think would provide valuable depth on the line. So the only person I was really worried about was, I guess, Powers, because there was a drumbeat behind the fact that Powers wouldn't get on the roster. But I wasn't even that worried personally because we saw him do well in that one game. He is only, you know, a second year player, fourth round draft pick. And I would suspect they would try to trade him like they did last year instead of just give up on him and having him on the roster. It still gives him that flexibility. Yeah, that's a good point. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, actually, you know, I, I kind of want to get you, you guys' opinion on this, but um, I was a little surprised at the, I don't want to say lack of depth, but I do want to say like uh, the, some of the names behind the starters, I'm, I guess that is depth, but <laughs> uh specifically with like cornerback and, and and safety when i was drafting out my roster i actually had let's see i probably had 11 between cornerback and safety and now that i say it that that does seem a little large but you know we're, we're really rolling with let's see nine guys and only five cornerbacks out of that group it seems like that's probably a position that's right for you know somebody to come in uh maybe next week or, you know, in the the first couple of weeks. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with that because, you know, passing league with all the packages the Ravens run, nine is thin. I know that Matabuke is probably going to be on the the pup for 
uh, a week or two at least the sound of it um so maybe that spot will go to a guy they'll bring in like you just said but it's thin on personnel like you said and it's also thin on experience with earl thomas no longer there so yeah i i agree with you that's uh it's interesting but i think the ravens will have some way to address it going forward peter do you have any earl thomas takes you want to get out on the pod I'll say what the biggest takeaway for me from that was it, it's incredible what a year can do because this time last year we were talking about how Earl Thomas was going to be the glue that's been missing in the sa- safety position since Reed left. Not to discount anything Weddle did for the Ravens, but Earl Thomas was, he was a much better coverage guy there last year than Weddle ever was. But he didn't have that leadership that Weddle had or that, that football IQ. And I don't think I've ever seen a player with Earl Thomas's body of work, and his resume, and you have both the front office as well as the leadership on the team, the players, in lockstep on this guy has to go. I mean, it's just incredible how... You know, the Ravens are usually able to bring these guys in and the guys buy into the culture. And just for some reason, Earl Thomas was the guy who, who couldn't. It's sad. Hopefully, Earl Thomas, he's, it looks like he's going through some things, but hopefully he gets that sorted out. But at the same time, I think you got to look at somewhat of this as a good sign from the Ravens just to see how in tune and, and the chemistry with these guys who are here are and how, you know, they're so in tune with the mission of the team that that's got to be a good sign for this coming year. Yeah, I definitely think it's good that the team seems so united on this front because obviously it's a big decision to make. And <laughs> if, if you're not united, it almost might be worse than whatever locker room presence he was bringing. So that works out well. On that note, though, we're talking about what a, a difference a year makes for with, uh, our per- uh, perception of Earl Thomas. But how about our guy Chuck Clark, too? I mean, at this episode last year, his name was anonymous enough that Alec cut him and he didn't really quite realize it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy went from a, a relative, you know, unknown among the Ravens fan base. Even the guys who did know him were just like, you know, yeah, he's, he's a guy, you know, he can step in, need be, to a guy who is calling out a potential Hall of Famer, Neural Thomas, and the, the team is backing up and saying, you know, this, this guy knows the defense, this guy helps us win, and if you're not going to respect this guy, then, then you can leave the team. I mean, that's, that's just a huge transformation for this former six-round pick. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention, I mean, uh, he came out of this offseason with a new contract, too. Yep, and he'll be lined up alongside another six-round pick in Deshaun Elliott. So... The uh, backfield of our defense is all six rounders, and they're ready to kick some butt. I think Deshaun Elliott, I got pretty excited to listen to his interview on the lounge. I definitely recommend people listen to that. You know, they were talking about his injury history, and uh, and I think he wants to correct his hype to production ratio this year. Hey, they'll be all for that. It'll be interesting these first couple games because you got to think that that that's the area of the team that that opposing offenses are going to target like they're going to go they're going to test Elliott fast and quick and you know he's gonna have to learn fast so we'll I think we'll be able to tell really early on exactly where he is 
Yeah, absolutely. I think hopefully it uh it turns out to be a better outcome uh than last year, at least uh with the linebackers. Uh, you know, we kinda had a similar experiment uh with the first four weeks. Unfortunately we had to correct that in a uh, major way. So hopefully we don't need that for uh for this team. On that note though, like are there any uh are there any free agent names of, of guys you might consider bringing in? Uh, you know, I know um the Cowboys cut haha Clinton Dix few days ago and i know um you know earl thomas i think was linked to the cowboys now you know we still are not sure about that but clinton dix i've heard who's been a little bit rough over the past like year or so but before that i know he had some potential on the packers uh he was a guy i think it was linked to us in, in some drafts when he came out of college but other than that i i gotta be honest guys i i haven't heard of of too many other names uh logan ryan might be the other one but i know he was picked up by the giants yeah, and also you have uh, the Washington football team released uh, Sean Davis, another safety I saw today. Yeah, I was to keep an eye out for safeties that I cut because of that reason, and I'm keen to see if the Ravens pick up anybody. But I'm under the opinion that they're not going to worry about it until they feel like the guys that they have aren't ready for the job. You know, definitely excited to see if Geno Stone's able to produce and uh, you know contribute maybe as the third safety. You always see if... Uh... How well Jadavian Clowney can play safety. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty bad experiment. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's interesting because, you know, we, we look going back to the draft episode. I feel, like, I feel like we knew that safety was a position the Ravens needed to address. And, like, I can't recall back to what we actually said on air, but I know we kept going back and forth just being like, ah, is this a position of need for the Ravens? And... It'll be interesting. You know, we, we, we like, obviously, we've talked about what we like with what the Ravens have with pairing Patrick McQueen and Malik Harrison. Uh, but you got to look back and, you know, they also had at that same spot, Xavier McKinney was still on the board. So it'll be interesting to see how his career unfolds in, in the Giants and to see if that's, you know, something that knowing the, the problems that, you did have with Earl Thomas that weren't as public at the time, but the Ravens internal front office knew about, was it the right decision to go and not address that position till the seventh round on, on a guy we like Geno stone, who's could be good, but he's also a seventh round pick. You're not usually getting a huge amount of, of pro bowl quality players from that spot. I'm sure the front office would never tell you that, but I'm kind of with you, Peter. I feel like, I feel like if you would, we had some insider takes into the front office. I, I have a feeling like there would be some sort of uh, remorse there at, at not taking a safety. Because if you, the other thing to think about, right, is that the drama with Earl Thomas, not even, even before the training camp, the uh, the issues that came out with uh, him and his wife uh, on TMZ, I believe that was after the draft. And so, you know, I'm sure the Ravens going into the offseason probably thought like, okay, they knew Earl was having issues, but maybe he'd come back next year with like a clean slate. And as soon as that stuff started hitting and, you know, eventually when he got into training camp, I'm sure they looked at it like, well, maybe we should have taken somebody with a, with a higher pick. I predict that they're going to bring uh, Nigel Warrior back. I think as long as he clears waivers, you'll definitely see that man at least on the practice squad, and if not, um, maybe one of the 53-man roster people after some moves are made with the pup. Do you want to transition to Cleveland? or? I mean, we still haven't talked about, you know, the wolf pack. <laughs> I feel like... They made it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they made it. It's kind of a joke, but I still think, you know, you got to... 
you got to look at that and just be like, isn't that like an entire, I think it's an entire decade, not an entire decade run, but it's at least eight seasons of these three guys, you know, making the roster just without a question. And we take it for granted, but it's still, you know, I still think we should acknowledge and just be like, this is something the Ravens have shored up and it's looking pretty good. And who knows, it might be the, the last year of the Wolfpack. Sam Cook is getting up there, but for now, you know, they're still the, the automatic trio. It's going to be a sad day for the Ravens community. Okay, now we can get move on to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you had something to add there, Chris. <laughs> no, I, th- I think the only other position we should talk about is, uh, is, is tight end. Given what we had heard out of camp, I don't think it was too much of a surprise that we didn't keep any of the tight ends that we had uh, behind Andrews and Boyle. But I do think two tight ends is definitely something that's uh, a pretty thin position group for, uh, for a team who, who loved to rely on, on two and three tight end sets last year. I don't know whether you guys heard, but it, it's, it seemed like the Ravens had, uh, had brought back a, uh, a guy that was very familiar to this team, Crockett Gilmore, for, uh, for a I workout. Did. What do you guys think? Really? Has he played anywhere in the NFL since the Ravens cut him? I don't believe so. Because he was trying to make a position switch. Yeah, he was trying to become a tackle, which everyone was kind of like, you can try that, but it didn't sound like there was a lot of confidence <laughs> Good about luck. that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, gosh, I really hope it doesn't have to come to that. He's a good guy, and, you know, I mean, uh, he had some good games for the Ravens, but gosh, man, he could never just stay on the field. But if I'm looking around the league, I actually, I, I brought up the uh, uh, player cuts from the rest of the league. And I got to be honest, I don't know how many other tight ends that we would want to bring in if there's anybody even out there. Yeah, again, this is one of those positions where I think the Ravens are, are betting that not both of those uh, people they cut, Wolf and Adams, get picked up by other teams. I think the rationale is, you know, Adams was just sitting there for a while. You know, will he get picked up so fast now that he's touched the Raven soil? Who knows? I don't think so. But if he does, hopefully Wolf's around. I, I suspect one of those guys will be back in a Ravens uniform very promptly. Like Those are the two players that I think are going to find their way back very promptly. Uh, either a tight end and, and Nigel Ward. That's just my, my take on it. And Huntley, too, if he can make his way back. Right. I think that... The cool thing about doing a reaction show, like, you know, moments after the thing came out is, like, nice, because we're, like, getting our raw reactions to the rosters that we see, but we also have this idea of, like, well, tomorrow there's going to be more news, right? <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> we'll have more information yeah. about how they really are trying to work this. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and the other thing that's, you know, kind of interesting, right, is that, you know, the NFL has operated a certain way for so long, and... uh COVID has kind of upended all that. So we have all these new IRL rules and, and rules about how many people can be on the practice squad and all this. And so teams are going to have to figure out different strategies for, for, uh, for managing their rosters. And um, we don't really have the, as much context as like how that's going to look because we don't have any history of that to look for. So um, I agree with you, Alec. I think a lot of these guys will probably end up on the practice squad. It's, you know, I guess the, the way I look at it is probably not how teams are looking at today, but I look at it as like, you know who's on the 53 and like if there's anybody on the practice squad like okay that's fine but i wouldn't rely on that as like my positional depth because anybody could take anybody from the practice squad but uh but yeah with with no uh with no preseason and and no tape and expanded uh practice squads i'm sure uh 
you know, using them more as a like an extension of your positional depth is is probably a good thing. Probably something that teams are going to be doing. Somewhat off-topic question, but it kind of relates. Uh, back to the preseason, did we miss it? Just an honest uh, thinking question. Did, like, did we miss not having preseason from a fan perspective this year? Begrudgingly, yes. <laughs> I, I gotta say yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, it, for uh, if you really like going to games, going to the preseason game is, is like, it's a good opportunity to do it in kind of like a low stakes kind of thing. Um, usually people are selling tickets because they don't want to go because people don't people want to like see the regular season like postseason like the exciting action they don't want to see like all these depth guys but for people like us who are really interested in building rosters like you want to see these guys it's kind of fun and so uh, yeah I mean yeah I always have an opportunity to go but yeah even more so I, you know I feel like I talked to Alec about this last week Peter and, and that um, it's like there's like another level of excitement I think with preseason it's like it's actual football like it was nice that training camp started and we started hearing news and we'd see like videos on Instagram and and the website and all this stuff and and that was good but seeing the guys in uniform is like next level and now it's so weird because next week is the Browns game and I'm like I, I just feel like not like I'm not prepared for it because we haven't had the four week like build up to the week one dude I'll I know. I feel so unprepared. We have a football game in eight days that normally we'd be like ripping our shirts off in excitement. And I'm just like, is it actually happening? Is this for real? Like, I'm still in this la la land of like, I'm aching, you know, I'm doing my fantasy drafts and I'm picking all these players that I like hypothetically still exist, right? But I've seen no film on them, <laughs> right? Because I'm not watching their YouTubes. I'm not watching their Instagram pages of videos. And I'm just like, I guess these players all still exist. I guess the NFL is still a thing. And it, it is boggling the mind a little bit to kind of have this whole preseason occur without any storylines, really. Like, there was really not that much camp storylines because the reporters can't talk about certain things they see. And we didn't have any, like, broadcasted games. There weren't any of those inner team scrimmages like we've had in the past with, like, the Eagles. Like, there was nothing, <laughs> like, in a way, uh, which just makes for a more unique preseason offseason than ever before and uh you know i don't foresee the preseason coming back in full form i think we might see maybe two games uh i think there's value in it for both the fans and the teams to have a little bit of a preseason but not the whole four games but maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe they're gonna just say you know what this was fine for us but like we talked about i don't think it's a coincidence that no undrafted free agents made the roster this year. I don't think it's just like a surprise because of random luck. It finally happened. I think it is 100% COVID related. Yeah, no, I, I agree with 100% with everything you guys said. But speaking of us not being able to believe that the games are coming up next weekend, as far as we know, they are. And uh, Ravens are starting the season off against a familiar opponent that they've played on week one a couple times before. Coming on against Cleveland. And it'll be at home if home field advantage still matters this year. But it'll be at the bank. And uh, we'll get another matchup between Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. I'm really excited to see this game. Like, I know I just talked about how I'm not ripping my shirt off in excitement because it just feels unreal. But I think, like, once they're, like, warming up on the field, I'm going to be losing my mind. Because this is going to be a great game against two teams that I think are, you know, fighting to show their legitimacy 
in the AFC. Obviously, we're legitimate. That's not a question. But after the blunder that was the 2019 season for the Browns, I think they're coming out to have something to prove. And uh, I kind of want to see them prove it. I want them to do well. Not beat us, obviously, but I want to see them uh, you know, flex their muscles a little bit. They have a lot of talent. They're uh, a team that seems to be on the right track. And I don't know. Personally, like I, I, find it, I find it more interesting for the Browns to be relevant than to be totally irrelevant like they've been for 99% of my adult watching career. So sue me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, it, it makes it harder for the Ravens when the entire AFC North is competitive. It makes the season a lot more exciting, and hopefully it'll get them you know, more prepared for that uh, playoff matchup, and uh, Lamar can get his first playoff victory and first Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I think my biggest thing, though, with this with this game looking into it is I'm just wondering what the quality of the product's going to be. You know, we don't really have much insight into how the training camps have been going, like you guys said. And we've heard before in the past when, when an individual player has sat out a preseason, there's a lot of talk, you know, again, going back to 2017, Joe Flacco, everyone was talking about, you know, you can't just throw him in there as a starting quarterback and expect him to be game ready. Now, part of why Flacco struggled in, there was, I think, was more to do with his back wasn't fully healed than that he didn't play the preseason. We've heard players say that the preseason isn't the same game speed as the regular season. Uh, so week one's always been the first true game anyway. You got to wonder uh, if there's going to be a little bit of sloppy play uh, throughout the league, at least in the first two weeks, just because, you know, they've obviously... I, we believe they've had 11 on 11 action against themselves, but it's a little different when you're going up you know, against a, a team that's not your own in a, in a full 60 minute game. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Peter. You know, I, I think what I'm looking for in, in this game is, is really just what you said in, in that, you know, what level of quality are we going to get, you know, from the, from the players next week? And, um, you know, I, I think for the Ravens too, it's, it's one of those things where, it, I think it becomes extremely important to not get off on the wrong foot because fortunately last year uh, they did drop two games early on and you know because they won out the rest of the way it didn't really matter they still cruised to the first seed but it's still you don't want to you don't want to drop any games early if you can help it uh, you want to start off strong and 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 not lose to especially don't drop a divisional game for sure because that definitely helps. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, we've talked about the Browns before, and, and even even the new Browns with Baker Mayfield and, and a lot of the new uh, weapons that they have on offense, you know, it's it's almost kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde team. You know, sometimes they've they've really frustrated us and, and you know, just done a lot of damage, especially with guys like Nick Chubb. You know, obviously we, we all, we've talked about the Week 4 matchup last year uh, a billion times on this podcast. And uh, and that was a very frustrating game. Uh, There's some frustrating games in 2018 as well. That uh, that low scoring affair with uh, when Joe Flacco was still the quarterback, or we only scored field goals. I believe Alec and I we watched that game live actually. Yeah, that was a frustrating game. But then we have like the second game we played against them last year in 2019 that Lamar came back and and after a 14 point deficit and we just took over the game. So they're really back and forth and. You know, we, we really don't know what to expect. Is Baker Mayfield going to revert back to 
his 2018 self where he was taking the league by storm or is it going to be more like 2019 or are we going to get something completely different it's uh i don't know i really don't know what to expect but i hope the quality of the game is good that's a good point i had thought about guys is the quality of game you know being the first time they've really had action all year and seeing how well they're able to perform that's a good point i think it'll definitely be better than like preseason or like the uh xfl game i mean like <laughs> i know xfl was fun and we had a fun time at the game and everything but like it was very clearly not nfl level and i think it was better than like the aaf i don't remember do we say whether it was better than the preseason or not i thought it was like comparable i i thought it felt like basically like we were watching a preseason game it felt like we were okay. back you know it was it was the same group of that we had back at that jacksonville game you know <laughs> us right. and correspondent kfish and you know it's just like we're <laughs> It was just like a deja vu movement. We uh, ended the season where we began. It kind of felt right, right. <laughs> and similar end zone seats. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to see any like boneheaded like interceptions by Lamar or something. That's what that's that's like my biggest fears is not like preseason level play and like missed tackles and everything. Like the, I mean, they'll happen, but you know, I I just don't want to see any like you know miscommunications or or just like complete boneheaded plays of 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 stuff that you would expect to be ironed out with significant practice, right? I'm hoping that we see some cool plays. It might be the first time we get to see the 2020 playbook in full. That's actually kind of another thing that I'm curious about is how much playbook. You know, obviously they always deploy a little bit at a time. I'm curious to see if we're going to see more jet motions and things of that nature, particularly given the extra speed we have now on the team and some of the new weapons. Yeah, I mean, be cool to see uh, Duvernay or, or Prochet on one of those, you know, get their feet wet and make a splash play or two in their first NFL game. There are some interesting things to talk about with this game. Starting with, I, you know, we've talked about in some episodes during the offseason about uh, some of the trash talking OBJ and, and Jarvis Landry did when Marcus Peters got that contract extension. You know, I think they threw some shade that they were excited that he was going to be back in Baltimore, despite the fact that they really didn't do much of anything against him in Marcus Peters' first game with them. But I think right off the bat, with seeing Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters go up against OBJ and Jarvis Landry is going to be really exciting to see exactly how regular season ready they are right off the bat. It's a great matchup for both those corners. Oh yeah, I'm definitely licking my lips for that one. Despite being an OBJ owner, I uh, hope that our boy Peters gets the best of them. And then the Browns also have a new uh, threat through the air for the Ravens to face in uh, tight end Austin Hooper, who did pretty well in the Falcon scheme, but I guess he'll get to, to see if he was a product of their scheme or if this guy is an actual legit talent as he switches teams to Cleveland. Well, our boy Hayden Hurst replaced him. So, I don't know. He, he could be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he was replaceable. I mean, I think that's going to be a big matchup for the Ravens, too. I mean, tight ends have always kind of given the Ravens a fit. And, you know, when you're looking at the linebacker core, well, we've got Queen and Harrison, uh, two rookies, and uh, LJ Ford obviously coming back. So, you know, on, on paper, I really don't know what those guys are going to do to uh, to blanket Hooper or, you know, make plays in the run game. It's it's a very much a question mark for me. And uh, I'm excited to see what those guys are going to do uh, in, in that aspect of the game. We know what we kind of had last year, uh, and we know we were hamstrung by that positional group a little bit. But uh, again, from training camp, we know that the coaches are excited for these guys. They seem like uh, 
got a lot of potential and they've seen good things, but we haven't seen any of it. So uh, it's it's either going to be uh, really awesome or <laughs> not so much. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see those two rookies bouted out with Austin Hooper and their other coverage responsibilities throughout the game. Another thing I'm very excited to see is how our retooled defensive line is able to generate pressure and get in Baker Mayfield's face. We do know that Baker Mayfield struggles when he gets off schedule and that their offensive line had some serious woes last year. So maybe we'll be able to feast. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be cool to see both Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf's first action in Ravens uniform. Both those guys, you know, the seemed to be pretty big hype uh, when they signed. And obviously they've had pretty great careers elsewhere in the NFL, Campbell in particular. And we'll see exactly how much both those guys still have left in the tank and how they pair with Brandon Williams. Yeah. And the other thing I think I'm, I'm probably most excited for is I want to see Hollywood Brown this year. No injuries, no screw in the foot, full speed, 20 pounds of muscle over last year. I want to see what he's got. I, I, I want to I see some of this hype come to reality. That's, uh, that's probably what I'm most excited for next week. You aren't ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I guess uh, the Browns will be throwing Denzel Ward against him, we would think. That sounds right. If you want to see a full uh, breakdown of the state of the Browns, go listen to our State of the Division episode that we released over, earlier in the offseason. But Denzel Ward, as far as I know, is their best corner. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, we don't have any intelligible takes about this team, right? Like, they exist. They're, they're exactly the same to me as they were when I analyzed them back for that State of the Division episode. Because I, I haven't gone on their, you know, hype pages. I haven't read their beat writer reports. <laughs> you know, I'm just like... I don't know. Gotcha. Like, I, I'm excited to see what they look like, and that's actually what I'm most excited for. Right now that we're gonna have some games, it's like, oh, you know, for the second game of the season, I'll we'll actually have some takes. We'll have, a, you know, how they did the first game, right? <laughs> you know, we'll have something to look at. But right now, it's like, I don't, I don't like to, you know, read beat reports even for our own team, let alone the farts and whistles around the league. Yes. Uh, oh gosh, <laughs> I, I never. I stopped reading beat reports completely after uh, I think it was 2015 and Matt Elam was like the star of training camp. And I think we all know how that ended. So <laughs> after that, I I've, haven't taken anything with any grain of, of anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to right? It's really hard to everyone looks really good in their underwear. Um, they have to say something every day. And sometimes there might not be anything, anything to say. <laughs> Well, Peter, you're right. I definitely am excited to talk about some bold predictions for this game. We're back this year, ready to do some bold predictions. One of my favorite parts of the show. And uh, I have mine ready for this time. And it won't be about Hollywood Brown. I'll tell you that much. But who wants to go first? Well, you've hyped yours up. I think you should go first. All right, fine. <laughs> well, we, we did a draft uh, on Wednesday night. And everyone you know, saw that I was very excited about our boy J.K. Dobbins. I believe in the hype. That is one beat that I will not uh, let go past. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say he plays over 50% of snaps and he has a touchdown. Is it bold? I guess it is. I think the 50% uh, snap That's the is, part I thought was... That, that's yeah, bold that's given, I, yeah, given you, you still got... That, you think that's bold? Okay. With Engram and Edwards there at least, and you just don't even know if they want to try and get Justice Hill some touches. I, th I, th I, think, it, I think that part is. Touchdown, I could see. Um, yeah. Okay. I added the 50% of snaps because this is my prediction 
of the pony backfield. I believe that we will see him and Ingram out on snaps. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like it. All right. I can go next. So I think for me, it, it's tough to really say, like we've said, what's going to happen with this game. I think the first half is going to be sloppy. I just think it's inevitable given the lack of preseason and just, you know, just the whole, the whole state of, of what training camp's been for these guys. I wouldn't be shocked if the Ravens are, are losing going into halftime. But I will say, I think this team has played with a chip on its shoulder since that Tennessee game. And they'll be very focused for the second half and will shut out Cleveland after halftime. Oh, okay. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, I like both of those uh, bold predictions. I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. I think that, you know, I, I kind of agree with you, Peter. I feel like it's going to start out a little sloppy. I think that there might be some mistakes made. Um, I think we talked about it earlier. Obviously, safety depth is, is going to be an area that opposing defense, opposing offenses are going to attack um, now that Earl Thomas is no longer with us. And so I'm going to make a bold prediction here and say that we're going to have at least one interception by one of our new guys. So I'll say either Elliot, because I'm presuming he's going to be starting, uh, Elliot, Queen, or Harrison. At least one pick by one of those three guys. Well, like all of our wonderful bold predictions, I hope they all come true. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a winning formula. So as far as score predictions go, what are you guys thinking? Well, like I said, I think the Ravens can dominate the second half of this game, but Cleveland obviously dominated the first half in the first game last year, and it took the Ravens a bit to get going against Cleveland in the second game as well. That was last year. This is this year. But I think Cleveland will get a couple shots on the the new secondary. I just think, you know, it's just going to, there's going to be some growing pains in the first quarter of the season with Earl Thomas getting cut so late. I'm going to say the Ravens win. But Browns might score a few more points than people might think. I'll say 27 to 17. So I actually had the 17 number as well for the Browns. I think it's hard to deny their offensive capabilities with their two outside wide receiver weapons. And of course, um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb being probably the best duo in the NFL. We'll see if uh, Ingram and Dobbins want to take that from them. But I think otherwise, like pretty confidently, I can say they're the best duo in the NFL. They could both have very good years. I'm going to go with a little bit more points, though, for the Ravens. I like to think that they are going to assert some dominance, uh, particularly in that second half. We'll give a token field goal to Justin Tucker, 31-17. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? I I think to be contrarian here, I'm going to pull into uh, some of the historical data that we have. And the last couple of years, the Ravens have just absolutely dominated week one. I know that COVID's going to throw a wrench into everything, but I'm going to be super optimistic here, and I'm going to say that the Ravens come out and score a lot of points. So I'm going to go with 42-24 Ravens. Yo! <laughs> I hope Chris wins. <laughs> yeah. I think the Browns can definitely put up some points, but I have a feeling that uh, the Ravens are just going to put up more. I think everyone thinks the Ravens are going to win this game. I mean... Cleveland, you're allowed to be good. She's not against us. That's actually what Kayfish said when I drafted OBJ. He's like, he might be a good wide receiver, but he's going against the Ravens twice, and that's two zeros. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's going to be hard. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know. I will say I I think there's a chance there there's a scenario where Cleveland wins this game. Like I'm not going in I don't feel as confident about this game as I did week 1 last year. Granted, I think even Cleveland last year was better than Miami was on week 1. Yeah, you know, later in the season Miami got better, so I think then it was debatable. But you know, they got a new coach, like we said, they have the talent. It's just the question of do they have the discipline to to turn that talent into a quality football team. So it will definitely be a better litmus test for where the Ravens are than uh, the game in week one last year was, I think. Well, I don't know. Last year, we kind of were a really good team. <laughs> and that's what the first game showed. Well, it did, but we, there were growing pains still for them to, to, to go through, which we saw in weeks three and sure, four yeah. until, until they had the great transformation on that fourth down call in Seattle. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that was a good year. Let's hope that this is even a better year. It might be a little awkward. It might be a little strange with no fans in the stadium, but I think a Raven Super Bowl victory will be just as sweet. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. Just count those rings, baby. As long as the games are being played, they matter just as much as any other year. Yep. Maybe even more so. The journey that these teams are going to go through this year, even the worst teams, right? Just the uh you know endless testing the inability to you know enjoy themselves as much you know we're all kind of facing that right now i think it's going to be a, a storied year regardless of the uh you know virus impacts i guess we're going to hope for the best guys i'm super excited to watch some football i wish it was with you all maybe by the end of the season we'll be able to watch a game or two together probably not in the stands but at least you know together <laughs> that'd be that'd be cool Anyone working on getting an outdoor projector? I still don't have any yard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Yeah, we got we to gotta find someone to rent a projector and we can... Uh... You know, blast it out and have some fun. Actually, I, that is not a bad idea, in my opinion. If by the Super Bowl, we're still not allowed to get together, get some like heaters outside and a projector and go for it. <laughs> <laughs> this time of year, sure. December, January. Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the heaters are for. We're going to have an inferno. <laughs> <laughs> everyone bring two. <laughs> With that, guys, thanks so much for listening. We're super amped to get the season started. Tell a friend about the show. I think we're all looking for a little bit more Ravens news now that the season's just going to be different. We're not going to be able to go to the games. So give us a subscription. Leave us a review if you can. Tell a friend to follow us on Twitter, Ravens underscore recap. We'd like to get involved with the conversations that we're tagged in and give our takes. And we'll be back, I guess, in about a week and a half with... uh, our reaction to this Browns game. I'm, I'm just so amped. I, it feels surreal to say it. I guess, I don't know. I never outwardly said I didn't think we were going to have a season, but I guess maybe internally I never thought it was going to actually happen. So it's kind of awesome to feel like it's, it's going to. Yeah. At least on a week-by-week basis, we can get excited. All right. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>